But I always think, because here, here's the challenge, I always think of preaching to you, I always think about there are some of you that I am trying to convince that living for God is a good idea. There, there, are, just, there are just some of you that I am, that's when I get up to speak, that's what weighs on me, is I've got to convince these students that it is a good idea to live for God. I'm not saying that you're not good people, but there are just some of you that I can tell you like church, but you're not so sure about that living thing, like really fully living for God. And I think you probably know who you are. And I'm not, I'm not singling anybody out. I'm just saying that's, that's kind of, that's the reality of it. And then there are some of you that I know that you're going to live for God. At least you have the desire to live for God. Right now, you've made up your mind. I've got to kind of challenge you to get to the places that God's actually called you to because you can and still kind of miss His will in your life. There's that kind of, that, there is that middle ground which is actually quite dangerous uh, in which to live. And most people who get there, they didn't get there uh, purposefully. They got there by accident because of choices that they made in their youth that blocked them off from completing what God had called them to do, and they live with a weight and a burden of not answering the full call of God, so they do what they can um, in their current situation. And one of those biggest ones is marriage, I might add. Those are the two in my family that I can think about as people that were counseling me when I was a young person and about how their trajectory in life was turned because of who they married, and then they always carry this weight of what God was calling them to be. So they weren't doing it on purpose. They, it got there by accident. So I'm, I'm trying to pull a lot of different folks. I'm trying to convince some that it's a good idea to live for God, and I'm trying to convince others that you need to submit to God and do what God is telling you to do if you actually want to your dream of living for God. You see what you see kind of the difference there. And I think that's every preacher's challenge when you're standing before a diverse crowd of people to preach to those who are decided and those who are undecided because the messages oftentimes have to be different for those who have decided and those who have still kind of left the door open to the world. And so that's that's the challenge. And so I try to present different ideas and different things to you about why it's important to live for God and then also challenge you about what living for God looks like. So that's, it's even tough sometimes to read the Bible, to come to a, to a scripture and read it because I know some of you, not, not you necessarily, but some certainly in your generation, if not some of you sitting here tonight would say, so? The Bible says it, so? What does that matter to me? It's a, it's a book. It's a book like all the other thousands of books in the library. So I don't believe everything I read. And I, and I understand that's a valid kind of thought process as a young person. So that's why we try to bring things to you about why you can trust the Bible and try to teach on why the Bible is accurate and why the Bible is, is something that you can trust. But really beyond that, 
It takes something else to really convince you. And that's where the miracle is. That's why I think the Bible calls preaching foolishness. Because it's, it's a foolish thing to think that me, who's only 30 years old, I know that seems old to you, but in the eyes of God, certainly that's pretty young, who have a limited life experience and limited intelligence, could get up and speak to a crowd, even of this size, let alone the five, 600 people or 30,000 people at Youth Congress, and try to touch every individual's life with my understanding, my ability, my training, my knowledge, my education. Not going to happen, which is why preaching is foolishness. It's foolhardy to think that I could give a, a lecture or a speech that would touch every one of your lives individually. So that's where we just kind of let God take control and say we've just got to preach the word and God's got to convict and God's spirit's got to move and convince you that the word is true. So that's always my weight. That's always my concern when I'm preaching to you because I don't want to leave anybody behind. I want to reach for those who sit there and say I have a call of God on my life and I want to know how to fulfill it. I want to know to be everything God's called me to be. I feel God dealing with me. I want to know how to get into those places where God has, is calling me to get to. And I also want to reach for you who sit back and say, why should I believe anything that you say? And I'm not, I'm not putting down that group. I'm, that's a valid question. Like I said on Sunday, we want you to ask the tough questions. We want you to say, why should I believe you? Why You have a right to know the truth. That The Bible teaches you that. You have a right to know the truth. You do not have, you're not obligated to follow anything that I say. You're obligated to search out and to know the truth. And if I say what is true, then that's what you should follow. And if I say something false, that's what you should know to ignore. And then I will be judged on what I say, whether it's true or not. And that's why preachers have a double judgment on their life. So you better be careful before you answer the call of God to preach that you're willing to take it seriously enough and you're not just looking for the platform. That you, because it's, it's a double judgment because I'm doubly responsible. Because what I say doesn't make your responsibility go away because you're still responsible. To believe the truth. So I, I, I'm trying to reach to both groups tonight. And I always think that. I'm trying to reach to both. And sometimes I have to preach to one. And kind of ignore the other. And then the next time I come back. And kind of preach to the other. And ignore, and ignore the second group. But tonight I really think that. As I was preparing. That there's something for everybody tonight. And I think it's found in this verse. I, I like a lot of different content. I like to read books. I like to listen to podcasts. Um, I like to you know watch certain documentaries and things occasionally. I like I love that. I love the different content and knowledge and different things like that. And so one of the the genres that I like uh, recently has been leadership or human performance. And uh, you know I I got a new job a year ago, and so that's uh, trying to manage people and try to deal with people. And so it's it's interesting. So it makes me think a lot about what what makes people work hard human performance. And so, I, um, you know, I talk a lot about podcasts, but there is this one that I listen to, and it's all about that human performance, people getting, becoming excellent in whatever job it is. And really, the, the podcast is centered on excellence, and it, they don't really have a specific goal as to what you need to be excellent at. It's just whatever you do, 
do it with excellence. And that's really, that's on the surface, that's a very good principle. And actually, that's what the Bible says. Whatsoever your hand findeth to do, do it with all your might. So you need to try your best in everything that you do. If, if you get a job, you need to be the best at that job. You need to work hard to give a good example to the others and to give a good name to your Lord and Savior, who you hopefully are professing that you believe in and people know publicly that you believe in. Hopefully you've been a good witness. So uh, that's in the Bible. But what I began to notice as I listened to episode after episode of this guy, he's a sharp guy, and he interviews people, all these like higher-up CEOs, authors, people that are really, really talented in their field, is that there's this focus on excellence, but there's never a goal. There's never an ending. There's never a moment when he sits down with somebody and they say, yes, I have obtained. I've made it. I am as good as I am ever going to be and as I ever want to be. I've I, I made it. I am the best at being a CEO. I am the best writer that I have, that I, I could be. I'm the best football player that I could be. I'm the best coach that I could be. Nobody says that. There's always that constant pursuit of perfection. In fact, that's one of the themes of the podcast is the pursuit of perfection. And when, when I really hit me, when it really began to dawn on me, this is something that's been sitting in my heart for a long time, is when I would, there was two back-to-back that I listened to, and they were saying absolutely opposite things in how to get to this high level of and even one guy said opposite things in his interview about different things that he said, ne- never do this. And then a few minutes later, he said, this is what you have to do. And I was like, you just told us not to do that. So I just it be, just became, and I've stopped listening because it's just this big circle of never, ever reaching, never, ever obtaining, never, ever getting to the place where you feel completely satisfied with your accomplishment. That means that every, every level just leaves you hungry for more. That's, that's what these professionals taught me, these high performers taught me, that there was nothing where you could say, now I have obtained and everything is where I want it to be and then I'm, I'm just going to walk away. No, they always were hungry for something else. And this was just sitting in my heart and sitting in my life. And I, I picked up a book the other day. And Sister Nikki was out shopping, and I didn't want to look at all the clothes. And so they have some books in this store. So I was like, oh, books. Yeah, not really my style of books. But I was there, you know, flipping through. And it was about these, it was a book about uh, business owners that were ladies. And it was interviews. So it was similar to the same genre. It just was focused on ladies about what they did. And there was one, and I didn't recognize many of them, but then there was one name that I recognized. She was a writer. Never read any of her stuff, but I, I had heard her interviewed before. And so I was just, I read her profile. And they said, what is your greatest fear? And she said, my greatest fear is that my next writing project will not be as good as the last one that I did. And that I will publish something and no one will read it. And she dealt with horrible depression. And she's one of the, according to this book, one of the best writers in the country. But she was so fearful that her next thing would tank, that she couldn't enjoy being a bestseller now. 
that there was this constant cycle of reaching for excellence and falling short every time. Because you're never perfect enough. You're never good enough. It's, it's a problem with the human race is that this, this strive for excellence ultimately leaves you empty. Because you're never good enough. You're never going to make it. Have you ever thought about the story of the Tower of Babel in the Bible? Anybody ever heard of that story? A couple of you, a few of you. Now, they were building a temple or tower to reach heaven. And the Bible says that God confused their languages and stopped them because they were so unified that anything they, they could accomplish anything. And that always bothered me. Because because it makes the Bible sound like a fairy tale instead of a, a truth book, because we know that heaven is not a place that you can get to with a spaceship, the space shuttle. You can't fly to heaven. It's, it's something outside of this universe. It's, it's a spiritual place. So did they did they really think that they were going to that? Did God really think that they were going to be able to build a temple that was going to reach the heavens? Even we know about the atmosphere that you would not be able to breathe and that they would not they would not have been able to build that 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 skyscraper through the atmosphere into space and they couldn't live it. So just their unity wouldn't have made that possible. And it always made me feel like is the is the Bible just being kind of weird here? It is this just it sounds like kind of like Greek mythology or science fiction or something that's just not not even possible. Because other stories, they may be miracles, but they ring true to our experience. But that just just sounded so bizarre to me. Until this week, God had been dealing with me about this achievement, 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 uh, excellence, excellence, attainment, attainment. Human performance, tweaking everything to make sure that everything in your life is just right and perfect. And that's what they were doing. They, they had this kind of, they had their organization and their structure down to as close as you could get it. They were perhaps perfect in the way that they brought the stones up. Their engineers were geniuses. They had the base just right. And they had the tower lined up just perfectly. And they had the workers on point. They were excellent in everything that they were doing. Except what? Their goal was unattainable. They had everything right, but their goal and that what they were shooting at was unattainable. It was an imperfect goal. So everything was right, except their goal was never able to be reached. And God said, I've got to stop this because they've got to understand these people who I created have got to understand that my purpose for them is not to be excellent in terms of just what they can do. In terms of what they can do together. But they've got to understand that there's a different way to heaven. Than just them working together and being excellent in and of themselves. That there is something else out there where you can attain. Where you can reach your goal. Where you can hit the mark. But it's not going to be through being perfect. You're not going to hit the mark that way. And we see people who struggle. And, and, and a lot of times it afflicts young ladies. We see them with the eating disorders or the things where they're trying. They never feel like they have obtained perfection. 
They can be as pretty as anybody else and think, I'm not pretty. I'm not good enough. I haven't reached that level of perfection yet. It, It plagues this generation. Whereas young people that have everything going for them are contemplating suicide because they don't feel good enough because they've gotten in the attainment trap that if I could just be more popular, have more friends, wear better clothes, then I'm going to get there. I'm going to obtain. If I could just be better at school, you can, you can plug anything in there. It doesn't have to be just good at stupid things. I'm talking about even good things, like getting a job, making money, being a good a student. You can attain and obtain and obtain, but it will never finish because there's always something else. There's, you could never be perfect enough. So I was thinking about that, about how that, yes, there are things in my life that I want to get better at. There's technical skills in my life that I want to get better at. I want to become a better speaker. I want to become a better writer. I want to become more organized. I want all these different things. I want to become thinner. Some of you skinny folks don't know what I'm talking about. But I want to be thinner. I I want to be healthier. I want to be able to run further, faster. I want to jump higher. Never going to happen. You know, I want I want some of these things and it's good to uh, to push for them. But you know what? Perfection is not possible. Perfection is not obtainable, because even if you get to a goal, if you're doing it in this life, that goal, what did what did our verse say is corruptible? Yeah, people in the world are temperate, meaning they have self-control. If you want to achieve something, you have to have self-control. The athletes practice, and most athletes don't do a lot of drinking or a lot of partying. They, they focus on their sport and their game. They're not living the high life like everybody thinks they are. They're out in the gym. They spend all day, all night in the gym, practicing, playing, doing whatever it takes to become good. But see, their crown is corruptible because there's always next season, and you're not the champs the next season. Or the next season, or the next season. It's, it's always correct. You're always, there's always something else. There's always another mark to reach. There's a race without a finish line. That's what the world is a race without a finish line. But what the Apostle Paul is teaching here is that you can obtain something that is incorruptible. Now, I know that those verses, those things, they mean when it says corruptible and incorruptible. Corruptible means it dies. Incorruptible means it's everlasting. So I know that what it's talking about is eternal life. I know it's talking about the end time, that you're, you're going to either achieve eternal life, you're going to be saved, or you're going to be lost. And that that your resume or whatever you've accomplished doesn't play into the fact of whether or not you are saved or not. Ultimately, that's always the goal. Ultimately, that's always the thing. And for those of you that are sold out to living for God, that's an important thing to keep in remembrance. But you know, if you're really sold out for living for God, you're not just doing it to avoid hell. You're doing it because God's called you and because you have a love for God and because you feel that purpose coming in your life. And that's where I'm going to get to the other group. Those of you that may not know, you're not going to really be scared into it. 
I, I, I could preach about hell and, and maybe scare you a little bit, but that fear is going to wear off pretty quickly. That fear is going to wear off because you're going to be able to numb it. Because, you know, life's full of scary things. We're all going to die. And you know how we, we handle that? We just don't think about it that much. We, 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 just, we, just, we, we just put it out of our mind. We, it's kind of a scary thing. It's kind of like a bizarre thing. We don't know really what's going to happen. We've got to, you know, of course, if you trust God, you have a little bit more of an idea. But still, we really don't really know what happens. But we just kind of push that off. And we just focus on what, what's going on in our life right now. So I could scare you tonight. And I could talk about being lost. And I could talk about eternal judgment. And I could explain to you why judgment has to happen. Because People are evil and justice. We have a, uh, an idea of justice. I could explain all that and go through all of that stuff. And I could scare you and convince you. But you could always plug in something else. Another YouTube channel. Another Netflix movie. And you could always drift far away from what I was dealing with right there. You, 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 could, you, could, drift, you could drift away and push it out of your mind. And no doubt many people do. They live a life full of distraction. Not really trying to handle the hard realities of their life. That's why drug addiction is a thing. That's why people get addicted to so many different types of distractions. And when they can't distract themselves anymore, nothing's left to do but to commit suicide because life isn't worth living. Because you have life is one big distraction if you don't have a purpose. Here's, here's what I came to preach tonight. is because there is something that you can tame before you get to heaven. Because I'm not just going to talk about uh, heaven and hell tonight because I don't want you to tune me out. But what I want to tell you and what I, want, what I really felt like to minister to you tonight is that you can right now, in this stage of your life, you can get into places with God where you obtain something with Him. That you attain something through the Spirit of God. Through the calling of God right now for the stage that you are in in your life. There are things that you can obtain with God. That are not corruptible but that are incorruptible. They last forever. And see that helps both sides. Because if you're back there and you say, I don't know if God is real. I don't know if God exists. I don't know if God loves me. Or I know He exists, but I'm not sure everything in that Bible is true. And I'm not sure, Brother Jared, if you're telling me everything straight. And I'm not sure if this will really bless my life. And I think I'm just going to do what I want to do. I would just argue with you right now for just a moment. If you've never tried to get anything from God, you need to try. You need to at least, as the Bible says, taste and see. You need to try and see if what when I just give a little something to God and I ask Him for something in return, does God give something to me? Does God give that peace or the answer that I need or the joy that I need that I'm looking for? Does God, if you've never tried it, then don't sit back and say, well, I, 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 that's just not for me. Because let me, I've just come to tell you tonight that you can obtain something in the Spirit of God. That God is here. Wanting to give you something. Wanting to touch your life. Wanting to help you to obtain peace in your home. Peace in your life. Whatever it is that you've brought in, God wants to touch you. God wants to take care of it. And you can sit back and say, well, you know, I, I, I've never got anything from God. Have you ever asked? 
Have you ever surrendered? Have you ever yielded your life? Have you really ever opened up your heart in faith and said, God, if you're real, do something for my life. Help me. Help me get through this. And I'm not talking about some kindergarten genie wish. God, give me a million dollars. Anything like that. Because that's corruptible. God does not deal in corruptible things. So anything that you could wish for is corruptible, that, that dies off. But the things that you really need, like peace in your home, God can give that, and that's incorruptible. That's something that does not fade over time. That's something that does not go away. That's something that people of that are rich, that are poor, want in their life. The joy in their heart not to feel like just driving off a bridge. I mean, successful people commit suicide. It's not just the downtrodden people. It's not just the poor people. It's people that you think have everything going for them. It's because it's corruptible. God does not deal in corruptible things, but He deals in incorruptible things. And if you've never gotten something from Him, or maybe it's been a while since you've tried to obtain something from Him and you've lost track, God can give it to you. God gives good gifts. He gives good things. And so if you've never tried to get anything from God, don't sit back and judge this book right here and say, well, it's not for me. Oh, it's not for me. You've got to give it a try. And for those of you that are saying, I, I've decided to live for God. I, I want to live for God. You know, there's more that you have in Him. Now, it's the way that God progresses is not a guilt trip. It's not a you're terrible right now. Everything and every place that God has for you, it, when you attain it, it's not like, oh, I've, I'm just dissatisfied with this. No, it satisfies your soul. And it, and it make, means that you can fulfill the will of God right now for your life. It means that every step along the way, God is with you and that God's encouraging you and you don't feel that drive that I've got to obtain to please Him. You just feel like, thank you, Lord, for getting me through this stage of my life and now I'm going to trust you with the next one. It's not like, like I've got to achieve, I've got to achieve, I've got to attain, I've got to get this, I've got to get that, like so many other things can be. It's not like some addictive behavior. It's, it's really what you need in your life. What I need right now for my life is to be in God's will for my life right now. And I can understand that there's a progression and that there's a step and that I'm going to obtain something that is not going to pass away, but it's something where I can be who God's called me to be right now. Right now. You know, perfection is not possible. I went through that whole thing earlier. Except in the will of God. Except in your heart. Except in your life. You know, that's what Jesus said. When he, let, let's take an example when He was talking about sin. When He was talking about the sin of adultery. When He was talking about sexual sin. And He said, you know, I, the law says that you've got to be perfect. The law says you should not commit adultery. The law says you should not cheat on your spouse. The law says that you've got to be perfect. But I say that you don't have to be perfect in your actions. But that you have to be perfect in your heart. You have to be perfect in your desires. You have to be perfect in here. And in some ways that's harder. But in some ways that's easier. Because it's easier to deal with things right down here. Before they grow into where it's a problem. 
And I told this to Sister Nikki, and I, I, I don't want to get off too much into this, but there are things, there are sins in your life that cannot be retracted, that cannot be pulled back in. There are, there are mistakes that you could make that cannot be undone. God can forgive them, but they cannot be pulled back. They cannot be undone. And that was one of them that he was talking about. Yeah, you, you need to deal with this while it's still in your heart before others get involved, before other parties get involved. And now you haven't just sinned against yourself. You've sinned against someone else. And now you can repent for you, but you can't repent for them. You can get grace for you, but you can't get grace for them. Uh-oh, what do we do? That's why you can't just go right back up to singing or go right back up to preaching because you've involved too many people. And it's too complicated now to just get thrown back into it because you should have dealt with it when it was in your heart. So, the Lord, the, see, this is not like God being like overly cruel and overly like, you've got to do this. It's like, no, I'm telling you how to live perfect. You've got to deal with it right here before it grows out of here. You've got to say, why do I want to do this? Well, why, am I with, why am I with these friends? Or why, am I, why do I have a desire to go to that place that I know mom and dad wouldn't want me to go? What's in my heart that makes me want to do that? And that's when i got to deal with it. That's when i got to struggle and I've got to deal with that issue and I've got to attain a level of perfection in my private life so that I'm not pushed beyond what I can bear. And then my life is always a trap of unattainment because I'm trying to cover up lies and I'm trying to make up for this deficiency and I'm trying to heal this thing on my own and I can never reach that attainment. But if you can get it down in your heart and say, God, I want you to deal with me where the matter really starts. I want you to deal with me right here in my life, in my heart. Deal with my motivations. Why is it that I have the desire to do this? Whatever it is you're struggling with, you can't just focus on the action and say, okay, I'm going to stop. You've got to focus on the heart and say, what is it in there? And then God says, okay, now, now that you're where I work, now you can ask anything of me and I will give it to you. Now you can ask, oh, you want peace down in there? I have that. Because I deal in incorruptible things. Oh, you want joy down here? You want righteousness? You want integrity in here? Not just where people think you're good? And you got this secret closet? No, I can deal with the incorruptible things. Now, I can't help your image if you're just trying to look the part. I can't. That's corruptible because that will die out over time. I don't deal in corruptible, but I deal in incorruptible. I deal in everlasting. I deal down there in your heart. That's why God doesn't refuse anybody that really wants the Holy Ghost. God doesn't refuse anybody or turn anybody away. Now what happens when people don't get the Holy Ghost is they've refused God. They've refused His terms. Or, or it just takes time. If you desire the Holy Ghost, God will fill you. You don't have to worry. You don't have to fret. Oh, I don't know. God never rejects anybody. That gets down to that place that says, I want your spirit in my life. Not just to make me rich. Not just to make me pretty. Not just to make me cool. Not just to make things that are going to pass away. But to build something. To attain something that is incorruptible. That's what I desire. That's what I want. And right there, God says, now I'm on your side. Now I'm on board with this 100%. And anything that you ask of me, I will not restrain myself. 
I will let my power and my glory wash over you. But if you get stuck desiring attainment in this world, God says, my hands are off. I'm sorry, I do not deal. I cannot give things that are corruptible. I cannot give things that are corruptible. I can't give you wealth knowing that you'll walk away from me because your heart doesn't want it for the right reasons. I can't bless you with that. I can't even, there's some people I would say, I can't even bless you with good health because if it wasn't for this trial, you wouldn't live for me. I'm not saying that's everybody. I'm just saying you don't know. Because God deals in incorruptible things. And our eyes can't always see it. So if you're asking for something, God, why aren't you giving this to me? Just know God deals in incorruptible things. God's working in incorruptible ways. Ways that last forever. You've got to deal with the heart tonight. That goes for both issues, both sides. Those of you that haven't quite decided and those of you that said, I'm all in and I want to do what God's called me to do, it starts in the heart. It starts right there on the incorruptible things. That's what God wants you to do tonight is get your heart in a position to where He can heal it, where He can touch it, where He can make you into the person that you want to be, but He's not going to do it on the surface level of your image. Say, oh, I want to be a preacher. God's not going to gift you with the ability to preach if your heart cannot support the integrity that it needs to step into the office. He's not going to bless you with the talent to play or the talent to sing so that you can be on the stage at NAYC, but your heart be so far from Him that it can't sustain you, that that crown that you have achieved will one day be ripped off your head because you cannot sustain it with the integrity. But God is saying, I deal in incorruptible things. I'm looking for a young person that will meet me where I work and they don't have to have a lot of ability or talent I know it's cliche but we say it all the time because it is so true because we've seen it time and time again of people that God uses greatly and they have mightily blessed lives not because they were excellent but because their heart was excellent because they would meet God on the field of victory where God works, where God moves. You want to be used by God, that's where you've got to meet Him. You want to find out whether God's real or not, that's where you've got to meet Him, on the field of your heart. Say, God, can you do this for me? I want you to stand with me tonight as they come to the music. God deals in incorruptible things. God works in incorruptible ways. You have not, the Bible says, because you ask not, or you don't have because you ask amiss, meaning you ask for the wrong things. That's basically what I'm preaching tonight. Is that you can get stuck on the treadmill of this life, trying to achieve whatever dream that you have, but let me tell you, it's empty. You can be as excellent at building those stones and that tower. You can have your engineering perfect. You can have your organizational structure perfect. You can have your communication level perfect. But guess what? Your goal is empty. Your goal is empty. We're going to build this tower to reach heaven. And God said, well, you're doing a pretty good job of it. But your goal is empty. So I'm going to do the most merciful thing I can do and I'm going to ruin your plans so that maybe one day you could look back and see my plan. 
Like I know, I know you're young people, and and you've got so much life ahead of you. And there you have. There are countless plans right now in this room, because each of you probably have five, six, seven options in your mind, working it through right now. This is what I'm going to do. There are countless plans in this room, and you could theoretically get really good at executing your plan. And then God might in His mercy mess it up. Take it from a former young person that had a lot of plans, that had a lot of dreams, that had a lot of ambitions. And then God stepped in and said, I'm sorry, but I love you too much to let you become excellent towards something that has no end in sight. I, I can't let you just go down this path and you think if I obtain this, I will be happy. And God says, no, you won't. Because you'll never obtain it. Because the goal that you see is a fiction. So I'm going to confuse everything in your life right now. And it's going to seem like a dark moment and you're going to not know what's going on. But if you'll trust me, I'll begin to rebuild. I'll begin to restore. I'll begin to make new everything, every plan in your life. God can find a replacement for that's better. But you've got to meet him of your heart tonight. So some of you need to repent. But repentance starts in the heart. God, look at the motivations as to why I'm doing those things. God, not just, Lord, cover it up so that nobody knows, so I don't get in trouble, no. Some of you need to be healed tonight. Some of you need emotional healing, maybe even physical healing. But it's going to start right here in your heart and say, God, what I desire from you is not just so that I can live my life, but God, so that I can live it for you. Whatever you're trying to teach me through this trial, God, I want to learn it. Meet him at the level of your heart tonight. I wonder if we could lift our hands right now. And just for a moment, I want us to respond. I want, you, I want you to block everything else out, and I want you just to see that when I say the word heart, I just mean your inner emotions, who you really are inside, not who you pretend to be on the outside, but who you really are. That's where God wants to meet you tonight. That's where God wants to come in tonight and talk to you and deal with you. So what's, what's there? Is there some abuse that's there that you've not told anybody about? That God wants to meet you there. Is there a secret sin that you're hiding from mom and dad and nobody else knows God wants to meet you there? Is there some sort of feeling, I'll never be good enough, I'll, I'll never be able to make it, I'll never be able to obtain. God wants to meet you right there. If there's a hurt, maybe somebody hurt you deeply, God wants to meet you right there because He deals in incorruptible things. And a million dollars couldn't fix that. A new car couldn't fix that. But guess what? The love and power of God can fix that. He says, I deal in incorruptible things. I deal in the eternal. I deal in things that really make a difference in people's lives. I don't mess around by just dressing up something that's filthy and dirty, but I wash it from the inside. I make it new. I clean the inside. I wash it out so that you can really be who I've called you to be. Come on, if you've never given God a chance... I want you to really focus in tonight and say, God, I'm here and I'm giving you a chance tonight. I'm opening up my heart tonight. Come on, don't judge. 
Don't judge this word right now. Don't judge God right now if you've never really given Him a chance to work. If you've never really given Him a chance to minister to you tonight. Come on, let's begin to pray right now. This altar's open if you'd like to come forward. I want to challenge some of you to come forward. Bring your plans with you. Bring your life with you. This has been an episode of Axiom Youth Student Ministries. Thank you for listening to this episode. We hope you've enjoyed and we hope you'll come back for the next one. Thank you for tuning in.